Almost. 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 Major. 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 Holy fucking shit, this is major! Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Almost Major, where we talk about the many major studios and the films they released, and today we are talking about Two Family House from 2000. This is our 40th episode of our Lionsgate miniseries. My name is Kevin Tudor. I'm here with Charlie Nash. Hello. And Bryden Doyle. Hello. And joining us is a super special guest from the Watch With Jen podcast. It is Jen Johans. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Yeah, thank great. you so much Doing for great. coming on. Thank you. But yes, uh, Two Family House from 2000. This premiered at Sundance in January 2000, where it won the Audience Award. Also nominated for Best Screenplay and Best Female Lead at the Indie Spirit Awards. Opened in nine theaters on October 6, 2000 and maxed out at 65 theaters. Uh, the budget for this, I could not find it. Opening weekend it is 30000 and domestic and overall gross of $1 million. Uh, top five films that weekend this is the same weekend we had when we did record for a dream so uh meet the parents remember the titans the remake of get carter the re-release of the exorcist and digimon the movie <laughs> jen were you were you were you there this weekend for these no i actually wasn't but i did see it when it was new on disc i do remember when siskel and or it actually was roger ebert i think this would have been after gene siskel had passed away but I do remember them covering this. And yeah, I was a fan um, from the beginning of it being at Hollywood Video. I remember oh, that. Man. Oh, yeah. On the shelf there. Yep. I had a Hollywood Video across. Oh, no. I had a Hollywood Video when I was in uh, across the street from my first apartment in college. And my God, uh, <laughs> I miss them very, very much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, we were all there for to see Digimon the movie this weekend, right? We we all I watched the show as a kid. I don't think I saw it until it was on like TV, actually. Yeah, yeah. Meet the parents. That's Charlie's favorite movie. Um, <laughs> Brian, what were you what were you trying to say? Oh yeah, uh, I actually did find uh, an interview with Dave Polito where he uh, he said the budget was um, two million dollars and he shot it in twenty five days. Okay, uh, okay. Number one song in the U.S. this week, uh, the same one we had last week, music by Madonna, and number one song in Canada this week once again was music by Madonna. <laughs> um, for Two Family House, plot description from Google. This is, I read just the first line and I was just like, this is a lot. Um, story of a lovable loser in pursuit of an elusive <laughs> dream. There's no judgment there whatsoever. Okay. Um, yeah, buddy, a frustra- buddy, a frustrated singer with genuine talent, once had a shot at the big time. Discouraged from aiming too high by his pragmatic wife, Buddy's modest dreams of greatness have been reduced to an endless series of failed money-making schemes. But this time, Buddy is certain he has come up with a plan that will work. He wants to buy a two family house for him and his wife and convert the ground floor into a bar where buddy can perform and that's it i feel like they left out a lot of things but sure that's that's the plot of the movie written and directed by raymond d felita prior to this he was oscar nominated for his short film bronx cheers in 1990 his feature film debut was cafe society in 1995 which he also wrote after that he directed the thing about my folks in 2005 city island in 2010 which he also wrote 2014's mm-hmm. rob the mob and 2019's bottom of the ninth has anybody seen any other ones i know bryden you've you've watched a few of his as research and we're just like whatever um <laughs> yeah city island i saw and also rob the mob i actually was very impressed with that one what do you think bryden 
Um, I thought it was okay. Um, really good. Andy, Andy Garcia is like really good in both City Island and uh, Rob the Mob, and I feel like a lot of movies kind of waste him nowadays. I know he was like a big thing in the '90s and '80s, uh, but like I feel like now he's like it's like oh he's the bad guy and let's be cops and uh you know he pops up <laughs> in the mule for a few scenes and everything but like yeah you no know, this one where he actually gets to like show like his range where he's like kind of charming but also like a little menacing and like very warm uh mm-hmm. so yeah no it's it, it's cool that like they, that is one of dave Lita's strong suits working with actors and giving them like good showcases when they might not always get that opportunity mm-hmm. i reviewed rob the mob back in the day i don't remember very much about it at all because it was like nine years ago but yeah, I, I thought it was fine from what I can recall. Yeah, but that's pretty much it for me. Also, Bryden, I hate that you just reminded me that Let's Be Cops is an actual movie that exists in the world. Saw it in theaters, it. baby. Oh my goodness. <laughs> what year was that? 2014. Same year as Rob the Mob. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, he also directed all four episodes of the ABC Madoff miniseries, which came out in 2016, the year before Barry Levinson's own Madoff-centered program. Uh, the uh, HBO film The Wizard of Lies, which I have not seen. Uh, he also that co-wrote. Was good. Really? Yeah, I need mm-hmm. to check that out. Um, he also co-wrote a 1998 thriller called Shadow of a Doubt with Melanie Griffith and Tom Berenger, and wrote the book for Buddy's Tavern, a 2009 stage musical based on Two Family House. Interesting. I'm uh, assuming Shadow of a Doubt is a remake of the Hitchcock classic. <laughs> No, it is not. Uh, no. I, I wrote specifically in my notes, not a remake, no relation, uh, that kind of thing. But yeah. Wow. I okay. went right over that. I'm sorry. But yes, well, I wonder, Shadow of a Doubt, Hitchcock remade that, right? Also called Shadow of a Doubt? No. No, he didn't? I'm thinking of the... Man Who Knew Too Much. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like pretty much any movie that Hitchcock has made, you kind of can't make another movie with that same title. It'd be like, oh, it's called Rear <laughs> Window, but it's about like... <laughs> Not that, yeah. Um, anyway, starring Michael Rispoli as Buddy. Prior to this, While You Were Sleeping in 1995, Hell Yeah, To Die For in 1995, also Hell Yeah, and The Summer of Sam in 1999, also Hell Yeah. After this, he appeared in other major films, including The Weatherman 2005, The Gore Verbinski movie, Kick-Ass in 2010, Pain Gain in 2013, and Deflate as a Rob the Mob in 2014. On TV, he has had recurring roles on The Sopranos, NBC's Third Watch, Stars Magic City, as well as main roles on HBO's The Deuce and the Madoff miniseries for ABC that we previously talked about. Uh, Kelly McDonald as Mary prior to this, Train Spotting in 1996, Elizabeth in 1998, and Greg Rocky's Splendor from 1999. Hell yeah. After, sh- after this, she was in Gosford Park in 2001, and No Country for Old Men in 2007, as well as providing the lead voice for Brave in 2012. That's one of the rare Pixar's I have not seen, and I did not know that. I actually forgot about that until now. Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, I've seen, I mean, I saw Brave in theaters. It's, it's, it's fine. I just forgot that she was the lead in that. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, she was also on Boardwalk Empire and BBC's Line of Duty, as well as other, uh, as well as BBC miniseries such as State of Play and The Victim. She was also uh, in the film adaptation of Choke, the Chuck Palahniuk novel. Oh, wow. Which I loved that book and that movie sucked. <laughs> they Maybe changed. that's why I didn't mention it in my notes. I was like, I could just glide over this, right? <laughs> I haven't seen it. And, and I'm totally fine with adaptations completely changing from the source material, but it's like the book goes to some really uh, loopy places that the film is way too uh, afraid to delve into. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it, yeah. And it's a shame because she's really good in it. She's easily the best part of that movie. So, has she ever been bad? No. That's the thing? Or even mm-hmm. just like subpar? Like, she's always just incredible or just captivating in the least like in no country for old men that's 
pretty much a thankless role for the most part until like kind of the end or whatnot. But she's really great, especially that last showdown with Sugar at the end is just fantastic. Uh, Catherine Narducci as Estelle prior to this a Bronx Tale in 1993 in The Sopranos after this Jersey Boys in 2014 The Irishman in 2019 and a main role on Stars' uh, series Power also starring Kevin Conway and Matt Star Vito Vincent Pastor and Saul Stain and Frank Whaley who narrates the film also a good 19 people that were in The Sopranos but uh, yeah. uh, for trivia Bryden you did the research for this so what trivia do you have yeah, so I read like a, a few interviews and a couple of blog posts by Dave Felita. Uh, he he blogs a lot now. Uh, he also like has like a, he had a podcast where he was like talking to a lot of like filmmakers and actors. I didn't listen to that, but uh, he talked about how like this was like a lot of it was pulled from like his uh, his own uncle uh, who was mm-hmm. named uh, Buddy, and how like he was kind of a guy who like wanted to try a bunch of different things like he like buddy in the movie he wanted to uh be like a singer because like he had like did a little bit of like showmanship and like uh in the in the army when in like world war ii and then like he was like had like a bunch of like start businesses that kind of never really took off and he did like have a two-family house where there was an irish couple that was living there and then it was revealed uh that she had a baby out of wedlock who was biracial he uses a, a word that I would uh, that I would say that is described as dated or out- offensive uh, in describing uh, the baby's ethnicity. Uh, and uh-huh. I'm like, huh? Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Which is weird when you see like interviews with Dave Felita where he says like, well, I don't know if the characters are really racist and anything. Like there's like a whole line where he's like says something about, uh, I don't think they were really racist. They were just ignorant. They were afraid of different people and they spoke that way to make themselves feel safe. And then I wrote my notes, fear is a pretty key basis of phobias <laughs> and prejudice. <laughs> um, racist they were just racist yeah Yeah. um yeah and he also was talking about how we really wanted to like give like more nuanced representations i think of like italian americans because like you know there was like a Mm -hmm. lot of prejudice against italian uh, italian immigrants in like the in this era that the movie set in the 1950s and how like also there was like a lot of stereotyping that was going on again there's a quote where he says, Dave Felita says, you know, Spike Lee just did that movie Bamboozled about minstrel shows. They're still running that for Italians. You still see what's the matter with you is all the time. And I'm thinking, so I'm aware that there's prejudices against many different types of people, but I don't know if comparing a movie about minstrel shows, especially a movie by, and I haven't seen Bamboozled, but like, you know, Bam, Spike Lee, I'm assuming he's like, you know, as, as a black director, he's interrogating that, like, you know, from, like, a critical place and everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, uh, yes. You know, yes. Yeah. yes. Uh, <laughs> so I don't think it's quite the same. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a little odd. But, no, like, I'm – and I think, again, this is, like, what I what I like about his movies uh, best is that he is giving showcases to guys like Michael Raspoli, who, you know, like, yeah, I like him in movies like While You Were Sleeping, where he is, like, playing kind of, like – lunk-headed but like secretly sensitive guys and everything but it's like you know he only has like a few minutes of screen time and here he gets like he's front and center and like given like a lot of range where he is like very blustery and then he's very tender in some parts and then very like kind of oafish in a comical way um so no i i, I like that about the movie um and i can see why the actors also uh Rispoli and uh, narducci really were happy to get like the opportunity to sort of dig into these meaty roles um mm-hmm. yeah that's that, that's like basically the meat of the trivia that i that i have ladies and gentlemen buddy visalo he wants to have his own house run his own business let him get it out of the system what if it doesn't Estelle and i live upstairs downstairs buddy's tavern your own bar <laughs> his life wasn't perfect it's a great house i hate his home wasn't a castle. Aren't there tenants upstairs? What happens if they don't want to leave? Maybe I should go up there. Yeah, maybe you should. 
We'll stay down here, you know, in case you try something funny. Go away. I ain't going away. You're going away. Oh, shut up. And his dream seemed impossible. Some guys, they're destined for success. It's like they were pregnant with it. Buddy, he's pregnant with failure. Oh, come on. Oh. I'll do you the courtesy of getting out of your house tomorrow. You know where you're going? What does it matter to you? Well, what the hell? It wasn't my fault. You don't know nothing about owning a house or running some bar. Oh, okay, so what are you saying? I don't got no brains? Look, I'm really sorry. I'm just like anyone else most of the time. I'm afraid I don't believe that, Mr. Fasala. Is it really so hard for you to understand wanting something for yourself and taking it? Buddy, your ideas, they don't work. They haven't yet. We're all meant for something particular. This is what you're meant for. I got a feeling about you I never felt before. Cool, cool. All right, so if we're done with trivia, let's get into initial thoughts. Now, uh, before... We, me and Bryden pretty much set out the outline for this miniseries. I'd never heard of this movie, so I'd never seen it. And I just, when I put it up there, Jen, you reached out and said that you love the movie, so I had to mm-hmm. see if you wanted to come on, and thankfully you accepted that. So what's your initial thoughts, and why, why do you gravitate to this movie so much? I love it. I'm part Italian-American on my mom's side, and so it reminds me of some of my relatives. I actually screened, I curated... Um, a lecture and a screening of this film in Scottsdale, I want to say around 2008, 2009, and it played like gangbusters. It was mostly, it was on a Sunday. And so we had a lot of seniors who came and really enjoyed it. This was after uh, No Country for Old Men. And so it was kind of cool for them to see Kelly McDonald before that. And then I talked about some of her other roles. I also love her in an HBO movie she made with Bill Nye around 2000 called Girl in the Cafe, which is very good. Yeah, I would highly recommend you guys check that one out. Um, And so it kind of shows um, she has this sort of quiet integrity and dignity, even when her character is going through something. And I, I love that about her character here. I love while you were sleeping it's one of my favorite holiday movies but you know that is an italian stereotype that he's playing a hundred percent you know like the ice capades and he's even kind of doing a voice and it's you know it is a stereotype and so it is good to see him playing someone who is understanding that in their culture and you know the italians like Italians versus Irish, Irish versus, you know, there were all these things back then and still exist to this day. And um, so I think this movie is good in that it is showing how, you know, people are people. And I think it's important to, you know, look at people as human beings. And so I, I love the the message of the film. Of course, it's not a perfect film. I mean, you kind of, when you watch it, you start thinking about Narducci's character. She's a little bit of a shrew. Um, but overall, I think it's it's just a great film. And I, I enjoy watching it probably like once a year. We covered it on my podcast with the author, William Boyle, who like me is part Italian and, He's also from like the same area of Italy, like our relatives are. Oh. We didn't know that at the time. So we did an episode on underrated Italian-American movies, and we both kind of zeroed in on this one. So I was glad that you guys were covering it. Thanks for yeah. having me. 
Yeah. Um, well, I forgot to I forgot to ask. Would you like to uh, just talk about the latest episodes uh, that you've had with Watch with Jen? I re-listened to your Paul Schrader episode before we did Affliction, and I really loved that. So. Oh, great! Yeah, that one was a lot of fun. That was with um, Megan Abbott, who's one of my favorite authors, and we had Sean Burns on, and he did the voice of Paul Schrader and fooled a lot of people into believing we actually had Paul Schrader <laughs> on. Which wow, that's pretty good. Uh, some people in Hollywood like message me like, "How did you get Schrader?" I'm like, "That's not Schrader." <laughs> yeah, and um, recently I did an episode with my friend Kate Hagen, and we had on Amy Robinson and Griffin Dunn. The actor wow. producers. Whoa. Nice. So um we talked about all the movies they produced. This was in May, so before the strike, but we covered mm. everything, like you know, Chili Scenes of Winter, After Hours, uh, Running on Empty, all of those. They couldn't have been just sweeter people, just wonderful. And then That's I also awesome. had on the filmmaker Chris McKay, and uh we just did an episode on Bud Bodeker's renowned westerns. So that is the newest one as this is airing. Probably by the time this is up, it will be out because it's coming out next week. Uh, Bilga Iberi is one of my favorite critics yeah. working today. Mm -hmm. He came back and we just recorded, I want to say, like two full hours on Stanley Kubrick. So oh, yes, that yeah. was great. Nice. Um, yeah. So I'm approaching my 200th episode soon. So by the end of summer, probably fall, it'll it'll be here. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, did you get to talk to Griffin Dunn about Addicted to Love at all? Because that's what I would ask. We <laughs> did talk to him briefly about that. Yeah, he said it came out at the same time as Jurassic Park. And he's like a little Arr. movie no one has heard of called Jurassic Park, you know. <laughs> and so that movie demolished Addicted to Love. But we talked about um, Practical Magic a little bit. Too. Oh, yeah. And I, I love his new stuff he's doing, um, like, he did the document the documentary about his aunt Joan Didion and then he's working on a new one based on the book Rock Me on the Water which mm. is about 1974 in LA the music um, movies politics so he encouraged us to pick that up I bought the book haven't read it yet but it looks great cool that's awesome yeah I'm very much looking forward to the Kubrick episode and a Griffin Dunn episode that sounds great I've been a been a fan of your podcast for a long time so this is this is awesome oh thank you but i will go next for my initial thoughts like i said never heard of this prior to choosing this for our lionsgate miniseries and i i thought it was sweet it's i it's it's fine for the most part but it's 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 it definitely surprised me more than whatever it would have what it was setting up to be because mm -hmm. i didn't know exactly where it was going to go and I'm not saying that it has twists and turns or anything like that but I didn't really know anything about it and wanted to keep it that way before I watched it. I thought it was going to be, you know, a type of you know, she he wants to be with Kelly McDonald because she believes in his dreams and whatnot and she really it's not even that, it's that she cares enough that he cares, like that mm -hmm. type of thing like she does not she doesn't seem to have this idea that he's going to be some big star or that his bar is going to be huge or anything like that is that she does the simple fact of just believing that he believes and that's just enough and i thought that was really sweet and the way that it ended was really sad but also very sweet but yeah just overall it's it's a it's a good time it's it's 
it's really great to see, like you were saying, Rispoli as actual like lead because I don't think I've seen him in a lead in anything else. But always a good uh, that guy in supporting roles in movies. <laughs> uh, definitely in Summer of Sam, he. I'm pretty yeah. sure every line in Summer of Sammy just screams at like a level 300. So this is, <laughs> this is a bit different. And mm-hmm. also Kelly McDonald, she's she's awesome. She's always tr- amazing in Train Spotting, great in Splendor, where I believe she dresses up as a box of tampons in one scene in Splendor. So that's a whole thing. <laughs> um, like I said, No Country for Old Men is great. And yeah, I was even telling Bryden I thought her came her little small cameo in Train Spotting too was was great and. That movie's really awesome. Um, Bryden, initial thoughts. Yeah, I thought this was okay. Um, I think it is interesting how it, it, one other thing that I uh, that it has in common with the other Dave Felita movies that I've seen is um, not just like giving the showcases to these actors who are like you know character actors or people who maybe haven't always had the starring opportunities. Is that it is often focusing on characters who ha- who are kind of like dreamers and having like hidden mm-hmm. aspirations and anything like City Island. Um, Andy Garcia's yeah. character is the correctional officer who wants to be brand the next Brando and everything. And uh, <laughs> it's it, there's a really sweet scene where he is like you know gradually loosening up and it's like he's so overjoyed like he can barely contain himself at like oh my gosh this is actually working it's it's really sweet and it's it's nice to see in. Uh, that kind of commonality uh, with a, you know, uh, two family house where it's like this guy who, you know, he's like, and I like how he's like shot with like, you know, when he's like showing the scene aspirations, uh, he's like singing at like the carnival and he's like shot from like a low angle and it's like the blue sky and everything. And like in the background, it is like giving, I mean, it's uh, of course, like it's evident that like, it's, you know, not really real and everything. Cause you can see it's like the, it's like a carnival part of the carnival in the background and everything. So it's not like a, a very good setting and everything, but it is like, in his mind, he feels like a, a superstar, and it's it, it it works in the moment. You feel his joy in that moment, mm-hmm. um, and I think uh, it also helps that like they underplay like key moments and everything. Like when they're first, uh, when it's Kelly McDonald and Michael Spoley, like uh, like they're eating pasta or whatever. Um, he's like starts like singing along on the radio, and like I feel like some movies maybe would like overplay it where he starts like bursting into song and everything. <laughs> like I mean, like there's the scene where he's singing uh, Pablo's Mambo while he's like. You know, setting up the bar and everything, and he is doing like a whole song and dance routine. But it's like the camera mo- just sort of moves back in this sit down scene where like it is like very slow and like he's softly singing along to the radio. And it's I don't know, I really like just sort of the understatedness of like the the and and the warmth of their connection. I, I, Dave Lolita like said that like he didn't want to like you know erase like the history of like the characters of these characters in this time period in this place being prejudiced and everything. And I I admire mm-hmm. that because there are movies that do like stand off. The rough edges in that in that regard um and he also said that like there aren't aside from like uh the, the baby there are no black characters in the movie and he said that's because like there was a lot of segregation in like the neighborhoods and everything and i i understand that on that on one level but like it does feel a little lopsided i guess like it just i, I mean i don't know how and it's I think it's just what's weird to me and like what I kind of bump up against is like a guy overcoming his prejudices, but it's still by like through him like falling in love with a with a white character. Um it's a little odd to me. I mean, I guess like again, it's like the the backgrounds and everything, like you know, they're like saying anti-Irish sentiments early in the movie and everything. He overcomes that by falling in love with Kylie McDonald. Um But it's and also it's you know, I don't want to be um presumptive about uh backgrounds and anything but when you find out that the movie's like narrated by frank whaley who's voicing the kid uh in the narration it's i i was like thinking like 
I like I, I don't I, I don't know much about I I don't know much about Frank Willie's background. I think his mom was Sicilian and his dad I know died um uh, of alcoholism uh when he was like quite young and everything. So I don't know what much about um, his background. But I'm like it, it it made me think of like I watched the movie Thunderheart recently. Ravel Kilmer plays like a quarter Sue, and I was thinking like so was this just like going on in the '90s or maybe like there was like some weird like casting and everything going on? But like I don't know. Um, I I do. It was, um, yeah. Andy Garcia played Italians, and yeah. Yes, know, same for thing. sure. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, but I, I agree with Kevin. I do like the ending, uh, how it is like this real melancholy thing where it is, I mean, it's just like the, the the idea of like these memories that like, you know, still sit with you even like even when the people that you love are gone in your life and everything. Like it is like, and it, there is like a warmth over it, but there is also like the sadness that they're mm-hmm. still no longer there. The ending kind of reminds me really quick. It's just, the ending remind me of the end, how the ending of 20th century women makes me feel. Oh, that's an incredible ending. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love, I love that movie. Yeah. yeah. Where, it's, where it's the kid talking about their their mm-hmm. parents or whatnot and no longer mm-hmm. there it's just like you're seeing you know her being able to fly for the first time but you're also hearing about how she died so it's just the sadness with the happiness at the same time that just makes you feel like oh well that's that's good i guess <laughs> it gives yeah. you that kind of feel but yeah please continue sorry oh yeah no it was basically um and i like that the ending is uh doesn't compromise with the friends too like they don't like they don't come around in the end mm-hmm. and everything. they are still mm-hmm. shitty to the end and it, i i i think that they got that part right although uh, although you know i i, I would have liked almost like a little bit more with like i'm uh, just setting up the, the community of like you know like the ha- the bar is like sort of their hangout and everything like you do get a few scenes in the early stretch and then i guess like you know you know what actually i guess it works that like he's I mean, it naturally fades into the background because he just becomes so enveloped in like killing mcdonald's own world and everything so like you know what? never mind i'm overcame that criticism i just had now um <laughs> but, but yeah no um i, I think i'd like this movie more like as a series of moments rather than maybe perhaps as a whole mm-hmm. but there are like a lot of like really lovely moments uh to be to be had throughout that's that's my thoughts to start out with awesome did this yeah. win am i remembering that right i might be wrong uh like the sundance award yes. for audience the audience award yes yeah okay yeah, yeah. Which, which i could totally get as a movie that i was gonna say unoffensive but you know it's obviously but i'm talking about the the, the story of it all you know it makes you feel exactly. good you know that it makes yeah. sense that it wins the audience Uplifting. award yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah i just if i remember nothing else about this movie i will remember the ending just how the how it's set in mm-hmm. i guess the winter time and whatnot and just obviously nobody's there besides is it on christmas that it ends on i literally just mm-hmm. watched it i'm sorry um but yeah just the the feeling of the coldness it just it's just them two they're doing their best if it works out sure but they got each other type of thing it's just really sweet i just really like that um charlie initial thoughts yeah i i watched it today too and i i agree with everyone you know it's it's i'm i guess i'm more on brighton in that like it's a totally fine movie but it is very nice and i like you kevin i i you know when it started i was like okay we've seen this type of movie before not that that should matter but it did take a few turns at the end that did surprise me not exactly in terms of how the plot not not in terms of where the plot went but in terms of the small little and more intimate moments and how they developed certain characters um you know, like, uh, Jen, you brought up, like, my main gripes were kind of with how Estelle was written initially throughout yeah. the movie. But I do like that that scene at the end where they, you know, she confronts him and she's not, a to- like, they actually both are vulnerable and both are, yeah. you know, 
completely dishing out. It's so, it's so frustrating when you see a movie where you're like, you know, if they just talked, like, none of this would happen. And obviously that is part of the issue here, but it's all understandable. And then when they actually do air everything out, they air everything out. And not mm-hmm. in a way that is, you know, cheap or um, even that saccharine. I mean, I kind of like the fact that she's just like, you know, I've been thinking about a lot of things, too. And I think you should just go for it. You know, if you, if, you know, there are differences between us and you should just go. It yeah. completely saved that character for me. You know, although I did like the moment at the beginning, too, where she's the only one who's like, she's having a baby up there. You're a bunch of idiots. Like, yes. and just ran up. And then what it, it which frustrated me more where I was just like, well, there's not a lot of scenes of her just being like very uh, critical and annoying. And then but, you know, that, again, I feel like the movie is smart in that, you know, it it's very understandable that he is feeling so, um, that uh, Rispoli's character is feeling so sensitive and hurt. But she's also got stuff going on outside of his scenes that we don't see. And I feel like the movie does a good enough job of making it clear that she also has a life, um, just like everybody else in this movie does. I, I agree with everything everybody's saying about Rispoli getting a main role. I think he's very, very good here. Kelly McDonald, as we mentioned, is always great. You know, I, I, I've been in a bit of a weird rut, I will say, in just watching movies. I haven't been watching a ton of movies lately, and I don't really know why. These so. two were the first I've watched in like six days, and that's yeah. not from a lack of trying. I've just been working so damn much. Yeah, no, exactly. Same. It's been a busy summer for me, too, and like I, I don't know why. So I, it was kind of hard for me to get into the groove of this just on a personal level. It had nothing to do with the film itself, but and it didn't like blow me away. But by the end, I, wa- I, I, I feel like I kind of went in kind of in a weird grumpy mood just from a personal standpoint and was overall pretty charmed by it in the end. So. Yeah. Yeah. I really like, I really like how like it's, it's showing that it has these little moments whenever, uh, Rispoli and, you know, Kelly McDonald's character are getting together, you know, one time, once at a time, you know, he's coming and going, but not so much. Definitely at the start where he's just, has like this full breakdown and just says he needs to talk to somebody and he's like you know I'm not always like that I'm not like a broad like you I don't cry and whatnot but you can tell that he wants to be that person but it's everybody around him that is forcing him to be this mm-hmm. type of person mm-hmm. and that's what makes it so much sweeter whenever he does break away from that and he's able to just sing even if it's just for his wife type of thing and not be judged mm-hmm. like his other wife when she walks in is just like why are you being a monkey and whatnot and stuff like that let's go through the plot real quick the one on wikipedia is not right but it'll be fun um <laughs> and it, it basically stops when she has the baby so i don't understand that um an unseen narrator looks back at the year 1956 in the elm park neighborhood of staten island new york to one buddy an Italian man with Ralph Cramdizini's dreams. That can't make that into a word. It's not a word. Uh, Buddy is a wannabe crooner. Buddy has nearly been discovered by Arthur Godfrey 10 years earlier when he was performing at the USO show while in the service. His fiancée Estelle gives him a Hobson's choice. Quote, who's is going to be Buddy, Arthur Godfrey, or me? In a decision he'll live to regret the rest of his life, he chooses Estelle and over the next 10 years tries all sorts of schemes to get ahead. I just want to be somebody, he declares. I don't know who wrote this. Uh, (laughs) Italian-American Buddy decides to buy a dilapidated two-family house. 
in the Irish section of town intended to live upstairs with his wife Estelle and run a bar downstairs where he could live out a smaller version of his dream, dream uh, singing along to music minus one jukebox. To a music minus one jukebox. Estelle has no confidence in Buddy and just wants a quote unquote normal blue collar husband who, most of all, won't quote embarrass her by doing anything to make himself stand out and manages to undermine his plans time and time again. He discovers to his dismay and her horror that the upstairs. Uh, Irish tenants, drunken, violent Jim and his very pregnant young wife Mary refuse to move and won't pay rent. And then just the last paragraph, which is like we've covered the first like 30 minutes, there's about an hour left. But uh, when the baby is born, it is clear his father is black, and the much older, drunken Irish husband immediately scolds off, knowing it is not his child. Buddy evicts Mary and her child, then feels guilt and sets her up in an apartment while she sorts out an adoption. Estelle's lack of faith, the small-minded prejudice and low ambition of his quote-unquote friends, the Irish's spirit and Buddy's dreams, racial prejudice, and the baby's fate play out in an engaging story with real chemistry between the leads and the message that ultimately says, follow your bliss. This is the weirdest plot description we've read for on this on this show, I swear to God. Um, that is like half a review and half a plot description. But anyways, that house is so weird. I don't think I've ever seen a house that is like that. Well, I, Dave Alita said that like they used two different houses. Like they couldn't, the, the house, there was one house where like it was the, the house with the exterior with like the fucked up porch and everything. They were like, mm-hmm. we couldn't shoot in the house because it was like too messed up inside and everything. But then mm-hmm. they found another house mm-hmm. that looked kind of similar to it and they used that for the interior. And then the, the house is that, I think like the interior was like in Jersey City, he says. And then this, uh, the outside was like the Staten Island house. Um, and then they ended up tearing down that house. So because it just like, was no good um yeah but but yeah um that's, i thought that was kind of cool that like they were able to do that um but yeah look at this like exposed wiring and everything and it's just like <laughs> this is a death trap um yeah i i could tell you one of the ways that the um the wife estelle tries to undermine him is like she gets a letter she intercepts yeah. one of buddy's letters from the bank and, and mm-hmm. like realizes like you're spending more than you have and she like says she realizes like oh if we spend more than we have he won't be able to open up the bar perfect shopping spree and then like like said tells it to her friends and her friends like oh estelle like they're like so so shocked by it um and then like it comes up in like kind of like a farcical scene where like you know like they keep like calling over like the, the banker who they've run into at the restaurant and everything he like keeps like they keep calling him over as like kind of the referee to, like for saying like no 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 wait what how do you know my wife and everything like you know mm-hmm. like what's what is this that's going on there and they have like a big argument and that's one of his boys uh best acting uh moments in the movie when he's like uh like she like is talking about like he's arguing with his wife on like the front steps of his house like you know bellowing at the top of his lungs probably waking all of his neighbors and everything and then, like uh she says like you know your dreams have never worked before and then he like says like maybe I'm a, you know not before and, like you can see like the moment of like hesitation flash across his face as he realizes like maybe it's all fucked and he's like but it's gonna work this time and like he's like yeah totally committed to it so like you really do feel for the character in moments like that yeah. You also see uh, Robin Williams dress as a woman and his face is falling off at the table behind them and so on Sally Field's birthday. Uh, that that they also. Uh, <laughs> it was a bad night at that. Re- oh, Jesus. I'm sorry. I'm being terrible. <laughs> Just yeah. the, her character is so. Uh, what is it? Estelle. She, that's the fact that she would want to spend more money just sort of the fact that he can not do so. Like, that is so cruel. <laughs> Like, it's yeah. almost unbelievable. I mean, like, at the very beginning, they set up that they were never a perfect pairing. I mean, from the mm-hmm. get-go. But it is, it is 
you know, cruel. all the failed businesses. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. She kind of had enough, but yeah, it's evil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, exactly. There's frustration and then there's just kind of yeah. s- the mean spirited scheming. <laughs> yeah. 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 She does have the moment of regret after when she finds out she's like, because like what's happening is a uh, buddy, uh, buddy gets like he starts taking on night shifts uh, just so that he mm-hmm. can like help build the bar and everything. And then that what he's doing man. is that like he's like he's going to act when instead of going home at the end of the night, he's mm-hmm. he's going to see Kelly McDonald. And then like his wife is like saying like, wait a minute, like. What's it, what's he doing with like that extra time? Because she finds out that like the shifts like aren't as long as they used to be. Or whatever mm-hmm. it used to be like six to six, and now it's like six to three. So she's like, wait, like so is my husband like going to like a diner just so he doesn't have to go home or whatever? But if she follows follows him and finds like, and then is at the grocery store and then finds like the house that's uh, that Kelly McDonald's living in and runs it, and then she goes home and like trashes him at the the, the bar and everything. And like she does have that moment of regret where she where they're like asking where she's like, well. I got a little bit. Well, I got a little bit over the top and everything with like what was going on. Her friends are like, "Oh, Estelle! Like after all that effort you put in." She's like, "I know, I know." Like it's so she does have that one kind of human moment of regret. And, and, yeah. But the anger still isn't. It's like partly justified, but it's like also like, "Oh man!" Like that poor bar and everything. It's like, yeah. <laughs> what do we think about Kevin Conway as um, Kelly McDonald's husband? <laughs> like. Just because I felt like a little bit of it went a long way. And then there's that really awful moment where he's literally like got his hands all over her and was like, she's mine and everything inside, too. And I was kind of like, okay, like, that's a little too like, I'm not saying like I was just like in terms of credibility, I was like, okay, we get it. He's awful. Like, you know, like I we, we know he's terrible. Like, but and I know these types of abusive drunken partners obviously exist, but like that was a little too cartoonish for me. And well, like, I did. I did like it as soon as the baby's born. He's out of the because I felt the same thing where I was just like. Okay, well, where is this going? Because I feel like you're gonna need to remove somebody, either, either mm-hmm. Estelle or this guy. Like somebody needs to forward people, and this is not gonna work. So whenever he just like leaves, and they're just like, and then one day he left and never came back, anyways. And I was just like, good, <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was fine with that too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think not not a single person who's seen this movie was like, really, come on, <laughs> bring we him want back. more of that guy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Charlie, did you just think it was strange whenever Kevin Conway shows up that, like, shipping out to Boston starts blasting? Did you think that was just a little weird? God damn it. <laughs> I do, how many times do I have to keep apologizing for Boondock Saints? <laughs> just because I live in... <laughs> Don't apologize for Boondock Saints. You can't. Okay. Who did Boondock Saints? Um, Troy Duffy? Yeah, Troy oh, yeah. Duffy. Our yeah. finest director. I gotta watch a documentary where he just basically like, destroys oh, his whole yeah. career. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that documentary's nuts. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jen, when are you having an episode about the Boondog Saints film franchise? That's an un... <laughs> you know, I hope nobody chooses it. So. <laughs> now watch, you guys just put it out there and someone will be like, damn it, we're doing that. Yeah. Char- Charlie, go ahead. As Boston's finest, go ahead. Uh, Why are you doing this to me? I'm sorry. I also brought up that comparison thinking Kevin Conway was in Boondock Saints. He's not. Uh, My mistake. He's not. I thought he was. Oh, wow. Fold me. That's terrible on my end, too. Jesus. Um. All the Boondock Saints fans are going to come for you, Charlie. Um, <laughs> they would have come like for me Kevin by now. the Kevin Conway fans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, the no. Kevin Conway fans. That I will actually be embarrassed about and be like, no, I messed up. Yeah. <laughs> 
Guess what? Kevin Conway was on SVU, Charlie, so you should be embarrassed. I, yeah, of course I should. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, what what else do we want to talk about about this movie? There's it's it's kind of a movie that just like kind of washes over me, and then I I'm just like, yeah, it was good. I unfortunately don't have much to say other than it just yeah. made me feel good, and it it's sad, but you know, it's 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 good for the most part. And I just I just liked my time and. I wish that this director kind of made something in the same milieu kind of thing, mm-hmm. but yeah. you know, gotcha. yeah, no, there's not like a lot to it to debate probably, but <laughs> it was a, a nice choice. So I'm glad you guys covered it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bryden, anything else? Final thoughts? Well, one thing that was just interesting and it's just kind of a funny thing that I sometimes I get this sentiment when I hear people talk about movies where like um, Dave Felita, when he premiered at the Sundance, he said like, I think it was like an article where it said like, oh, it's not exactly like a, an Italian American enclave in like Park City. So like, oh my gosh, we're going to die here and everything. And it's just like, I mean, you kind of feel for the guy like where it's like bad where it's like the, the, the sort of like idea where it's like oh man if it's a movie that's not about yourself and everything you're just gonna like check out immediately and everything it's just like and it's like no i like i like these stories about like you know people in different times and like from from different walks of life and everything like i find that nice that's why i like a lot of movies and everything and it's just i don't know i'm not i'm I, and like he was he, just a happy ending to it where like you know wins the top prize at sundance and you know he's you know it's a it's a well-liked movie and everything, but it's, I, do you know what I'm talking about? Where it's like, the scissor is like, well, it's like people not thinking outside themselves and not like, if it's, if it's not, if this person doesn't look or lives the kind of life that I do, I won't be able to empathize or connect to it and everything. It's just right. Like, yeah. I would say a, in 2000 though, because these types of movies were not big and this didn't end up being big because people were just like Italian Americans with a bunch of people. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not going to go see that. So I kind of get it, especially back then. It's not as propped up as it is now, thankfully propped up. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. um, I've, now I'm curious on what other movies were playing at Sundance and how much of an outlier this probably felt like. It was a 2000. Was I think it was Girl Fight and um, You Can Count on That's Me. That's right. That's the, right. Those are, I mean, those are super really oh, good movies. And Dallas Steve came out that year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Donald won for actor, and then You Can Count on Me won for jury with Girl Fight, and then Janet Maslin told me it was because they didn't want to choose between them. Wow. Oh, that's wow. wild. I have never known that. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Girl Fight, still need to watch it. Still need Put to it watch it on that Blu-ray, one too. for God's sake. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. You Can Count on Me. Fantastic. Check great, it out. Great, mm-hmm. great movie. Yeah. Charlie, any more final thoughts? Yeah, just, I mean, thinking about, since we're on the topic of Sundance and this one, the Audience Award, I feel like these little, like, movies, you know, Sundance, just thinking about how it's been 23 years, like, I've only been to Sundance a couple times back in 2015 and 2016, but it even, like, I feel like something this small, obviously there are still small movies that play there, but I feel like Sundance has gotten much bigger in that, like... Both times I was there, the things that won the Audience Award were, like, Mean Earl and the Dying Girl and, um... I believe it was Birth of a Nation, which was obviously before two back to back banger years yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting to think like this nice little movie did get recognized by audiences. You know, it seems like the type of movie that you would. It, it's funny. I was just thinking, usually this is the type of like thing that would be championed by critics, but you'd have to force audiences to like go see. So the fact that audiences picked it, I thought was kind of sweet, you know, mm-hmm. and obviously it didn't make a ton of money. I mean, like you, Kevin, I didn't know about this film until we, you know, discussed talking about it. So, um, y- you know, yeah, it's, it's, 
you know, it's a it's a warm little it's a warm little movie. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the similar boat where I don't have a total a, a whole lot to say, but I'm like, you know, nice movie for adults starring you know actors that don't usually star in main roles. You know, always a nice little treat when you see something like this and it and it works. You know. Can we do like five minutes on how cute the baby is? Oh my god, that baby's <laughs> that's a cute baby. That's a cute baby right there. Jen, final thoughts on Two Family House? I think it's great, and I think exactly what all of you guys were saying. We don't really make sweet stories um, like this anymore. And just hearing about Sundance in that year, like all of these films, if you're seeking out the movies that played at Sundance in 2000. You're going to do really well. Watch this. Watch You Can Count On Me, Girl Fight, Dow Steve. All of those are great. Yeah. Yeah. And wasn't, guys, wasn't Urbania also at Sundance that yes, year? Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yes. That's I mean, funny. that's kind of the, the fun of this miniseries of going through movies where it's like, oh, what's even this? I've, like, never heard of some of these movies that we, before we, we started this miniseries. And it's like, oh, some of them are actually pretty good. So yeah, it's yeah. always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for coming on. Like I said, big fan of your podcast. Just keep bringing on Mitchell. Do a spinoff with it's just you and Mitchell. Mitchell. Oh yeah, Mitchell's Mitchell is my favorite person ever. (laughs) (laughs) Mitchell's the best. Yeah, yeah, they're wonderful. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Almost Major. Please rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please follow the pod on Twitter at Almost Major to keep up to date with what movies we will be covering in the future. Myself, I can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at Kev Bonesy. Bryden can be found on Twitter at Bryden Doyle and on Letterboxd at J Doyle. Charlie can be found on Twitter and Letterboxd at CTNash91. Once again, thank you for listening.